I love being a Christian. Do you love being a Christian? I am telling you. Gaining access. Gaining access. This morning, I want to continue in a series of sermons that I've been preaching that's leading us to the to the empty tomb, which is going to be on Resurrection Sunday. We've got about three Sundays left before uh, we come to Resurrection Sunday, and I've been preaching some messages that are kind of leading us up to that. I started preaching two weeks ago, and I used the title, He is the Lamb, or He's the Lamb. And if you'll remember, we spoke about how Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and we talked about how Jesus, as He was uh, manifested in flesh in the garden, says there in Genesis chapter 3, and I believe it's verse 15, and how Jesus came and he slayed an animal to put skins on Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness, and we realize that that is the first evidence or the first uh, example that we read in the scriptures where an animal was sacrificed to atone or to cover the sins of mankind. We realize as Jesus was manifested in the flesh in that scripture, we realize that also Jesus was the Lamb that came and died on the cross for our sins, paying the debt. Not covering sin, but paying the debt for sin. He is the Lamb. Last week, I preached on the subject of Jesus is seeking you. And we realize that it's not us in our searching out Christ... It is Jesus that has come and sought us. God is seeking us. And we use again, we use a scripture that came out of the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And after Adam and Eve sinned, was Adam and Eve looking for God to try to make reconciliation? No, we don't find that in scripture at all. We find that God comes to the garden seeking Adam. And I want you to know he has been seeking you your entire life. So we mentioned last week, Jesus is seeking you. This morning, I want to speak on the subject of gaining access to God. Gaining access. I kind of got this uh, message this last week. I was with my grandson. He had been sick at school, and I had to go pick him up. And we were able to spend a couple of days together. And on the way back from Lufkin... We kind of got in a pretty deep conversation, or I thought it was a pretty deep conversation for a seven-year-old. We were sitting there, and we were talking about uh, what Adam and Eve done in the garden. And I asked Cooper, I said, well, Cooper, I said, why did, why did God have to cover them with animal skins? Why did God have to kill an animal so that uh, to cover their their, their bodies. He, I said they were already using leaves. Now you have to understand, I, I don't know who has been teaching my grandson. I'm proud of them. And Cooper said, well, Papa, there had to be bloodshed. I want you to know that blew me away coming from him. And I said, Cooper, what do you mean had to be bloodshed? He said, well, they done something wrong. They done something wrong, and when we do something wrong, 
He said, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And you need to know, my eyes are getting huge. And he said, and because if Adam and Eve had to die for their sins, we wouldn't be in the world today. All of mankind would, be di- would have died because they were the first humans and then they would have died and, and then we wouldn't be here. I want you to know, I've, I've never heard that before. And he said, Papa, he said, blood had to be shed, but it had to be shed from someone who was innocent or something that was innocent. So that's why he killed the animal. I was thinking to myself, I said, I know grown people who have been going to church all their life that could not have explained it as simple as he just explained it. Innocent blood had to be shed because the wages of sin is death. And he said, Papa, that animal took their place. I said, I see, Cooper. I said, that's really good. I said, so then why did Jesus have to die if animals could work? He said, Papa... Animals didn't sin. So a man that didn't sin had to pay our price. I'm wanting to know what seminary he's going to. (laughs) I'm telling you, I have been trying to preach this message that he was telling me in this simple language all my life. And he said, Papa, in order for humans to have their sins paid for, a human had to shed his blood. I said, yeah, Cooper, that's why Jesus died on the cross. He said, yeah, that's right. I had to stop the conversation. I thought he was fixing to get over my head. And so we stopped the conversation. But I want you to know, somehow someone has reached the gospel. He understands the gospel. I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they used the little cups that change colors, you know, where you have a a cup with black water in it and a cup with red water and a cup that's clear water and you pour them together and it explains the plan of salvation. I don't know if they've done that and he, he understands. I don't know what they've done. But he understands it. He understands it. He understands. Now, we didn't go this far. He understands what it means to gain access to God through Jesus Christ. He understands that. What I want us to do this morning, I just want us to take a simple message this morning and show how God designed us to have a relationship with Him leading up to what took place on the cross that day and how that God allows us to have access to Him. But it was not necessarily that way in the beginning after sin came into the world. 
So I want us to look in Exodus chapter 26 and verse 31. We're going to begin right there. Exodus chapter 26 and verse 31. What we find that is taking place. Moses has led the children of uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. God has met with Moses on Mount Sinai. He is giving them the Ten Commandments. And also, God has given Moses the law on how to have access with God. Okay? So, in these descriptions that I'm going to read here, and kind of like most of my sermons, we're going to kind of lay a foundation here, and the sermon is going to be real short this morning. But let me lay this foundation In Exodus chapter 26, God is telling Moses how to have access. And this is what he says. He says, And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of smitten wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold upon the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and the veil shall... Look what that word is. What does that word... What's that word right there? Divide. Divide. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy, and thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most high place, or most holy place. Can Can you use your imagination for just a second? Let me, let me show you this morning the makeup of the place that this just referred to called the holy place and the holy of holies. Okay, There's, God said, he gives Moses this pattern. He said, listen, this is the way you can have access to me and this is the only way you can have access to me because there has to be blood shed in order for you to have access and I can forgive your sins. Innocent blood. Now, I want you to notice something. I got my markers here. Okay, from right here, from the front of this pew, 15 feet across to right here, from where I started right over there to right here, and from the front of this pew, 15 feet this way, which is approximately right here. Now, Can you see this square that's right here? It's a 15 by 15 square. That's just about how big the place called the Holy of Holies was. All right? And inside this 15 by 15 square, we're going to use this bench right here as what we know as the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I want you to know, this is larger than the Ark of the Covenant was. The Ark of the Covenant was not quite this big. It was a little bit narrower and a little bit shorter. And upon this Ark of the Covenant were two angels that overhung. And in front of this 15-foot square, you remember what I just got through reading? And he says, I want you to make this veil of blue and purple and scarlet. He is describing the veil or the curtain that is going to come right across here and it divides. The veil is a division between the very presence of God and all of humanity. 
Now, if you got this picture in your head, this 15 by 15 square, and it's 15 feet tall, and it is this place that God represents His presence. Okay? Now, if we go to that same dimension and go back 30 feet, about to where old Tom is sitting, or Barbara right in there, there is another 30 feet, and outside in this area is where the high priest, they do the things daily in order to have a relationship with God but this is the daily practice this 15 feet right here this 15 foot square I want you to know represents the very presence of God do you know there's only there's only one word that is used in the Bible to describe God more than once. The Bible does not say that God is love, 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 or joy, 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 or peace, 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 but what does the Bible say? God is holy, holy, holy. So understand, this 15, this 15 foot square right here is off limits to everyone. Right? Let me describe for a minute this veil that is being this veil that right here separates. Exodus chapter 36 and verse 1 says this. These are two names that we, I bet no one of us, none of us have ever heard before. And I'm not even going to pronounce them right. Exodus 36 and verse 1. It says, Then wrought Bezali and Ohalab... And every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord but put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. These two names, okay, and if you continue reading, you're going to see that these two guys are the ones who have been put in charge of the ones who have talent to sow this veil and to put this whole tabernacle together. Look in verse 35. And he, referring to these two men, made a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen. With cherubims made he of this cunning work. In Exodus chapter 39 and verse 34, and it says, The covering of the ram skin dyed red and the covering of badger skins and the veil of the covering. I want you to know, listen to this, I want you to know that this veil right here was made, and if you will continue to read through Leviticus and read through Exodus, it continues to describe this veil. This veil, this veil was put together and it was multiple layers, and those multiple layers each had meaning. The outside of this veil was dyed, what color? Red. The outside of this veil was dyed red. That last scripture we read. I wonder why it was dyed red. What do you reckon the the red represented? The blood of Jesus Christ. Now this is way before Jesus Christ has ever got on the scene. When you begin to read the description of how this veil was put together do you know approximately how thick this veil was? Huh? It was between six and nine inches. Listen. This curtain was not a drapery that you hang to cover your window. This, this veil was thick. When it begins to describe these, 
the curtains that were made and the veil that was made, this veil was 45 feet long and 6 foot wide. And what they would do, they would fold it and they would sew it. And they would fold it and they would sew it. And they would fold it and they would sew it. I want you to know this veil was a no access veil. You did not come up there and poke a hole through and peek to see what was going on. This veil divided mankind from the very presence of God. Do we understand that now? This veil was significant. As a matter of fact, there was only one time a year that anyone could even come past the veil. Only once a year. Look with me in Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16 and notice how this verse starts off. Leviticus chapter 16 verses 1 through 4 and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. What he's saying here, he said, listen guys, God says, I have made a way that you are to come before me. And Aaron, which was the high priest, had two sons that wanted to do it their way. It doesn't happen that way. They died because they tried to have access to a place in serving and seeing God that they were not allowed. He said, listen. He says, don't do that. So verse number 2, and it said, The Lord said unto Moses, Speaking to Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times unto the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in a cloud upon the mercy seat. This is what he is saying here. He says, listen, you tell Aaron he can't come when he wants to. I have designed the system. I have designed a way for him to have access to me. And it's once a year. Now, you continue to look at the rest of those verses in chapter 16. I'm not going to go, go through and read the rest of those. But I am going to explain to you what Moses tells Aaron that he is supposed to do. He says, Aaron, once a year, this is what you're supposed to do. You are to come on a particular day that God has set aside. He says, you go and you take a bath. And you put on solid white linen breeches and a solid white linen robe. He says, and then what you do is you go and you take a sacrifice and you come before me, before you go into this veil, you make a sacrifice for your own sins. You take a bullock and you sacrifice it for your sins. And you put it on the altar and you sacrifice it. And once you've done that, you go and you take your clothes off, you wash again, and you put on another set of white linen breeches and a white linen top. And then you take that blood from that sacrifice that you've made. And only then are you allowed to come into the Holy of Holies. After you have given a sacrifice for yourself. And you take that blood and you walk into the presence of the Holies of Holies. And then you are to take some of that blood and you are to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Okay, and there's a lot more description in here than that. You bring incense in here and you, and you bring coals from the altar. All of that's in there. I don't have time to go over that. But you take that blood and you put that on the mercy seat. And he says, listen, the blood that you are using has 
anointed or covered your sin so that you can come into the presence, but only you. You need to understand, y'all don't have access. Only once a year was the high priest allowed to have access in, and he went in on your behalf. You have no access to God. I see some of you shaking your head. Praise God, it's not that way now. But in that day, no one had access except the high priest, and then only once a year. And he took the blood in on your behalf. Let me say this loud and clear. No man needs to stand between you and the God you serve today. No man. You do not have to go through any man. You all you can go boldly in that Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. You have access to the throne of God. You can come boldly before the throne of grace through the blood of who? Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, gives us that access. Well, Brother Wayne, how do you know that? How do you know that? I've been preaching this series of messages which are leading up to the cross. What I want to do right now is I this is this is the message. Five minutes. This is the message. Turn with me to Matthew chapter twenty seven. Jesus Christ has come into Jerusalem on the first day of the week. He is arrested. He is falsely accused. He is brought before Pilate. Pilate has him flogged and has him beaten. They lead him through Jerusalem up to Calvary's cross. Jesus is on the cross. This is where we read what has taken place on the cross in Matthew chapter 27. About the ninth hour, the ninth hour would be about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran, and he took a sponge, and he filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Listen to these words. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from the bottom to the top. It says, not from the bottom, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. Let me tell you what took place on that day. There's a lot of things that took place when Jesus died on the cross. But there's a reason why God put this in the Scripture for me and you to understand. I want you to know the veil that separated all of mankind from the presence of God when Jesus died on the cross 
You know that innocent blood that Cooper was talking about that took place way back there in the garden so that man could have a relationship with God? It was temporary. When Jesus died on the cross, I want you to know the veil that was rent from the top to the bottom, this six to nine inch veil that was rent from the top to the bottom, made perfect access for you and me through the perfect blood of Jesus Christ so that you and I now have access to God. We have gained access through the blood of Jesus. No one in here has an excuse for not having a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that it is a free gift. It is a gift that only you need to receive in order to have this access. And some people say, well, may, you know, you don't know what kind of person I am. You need to understand, all that person you used to be, Jesus died on the cross for all of those things that you've ever done. Jesus has made access for you and I to have a relationship with Almighty God. And, and I believe that is so significant when we see the story of how the veil was rent. I, I, I can't wait for Sunrise Sunday. Sunrise Sunday, I'm going to preach a message, and I, the name of the message is just going to be Boom. If I can wait that long, I may preach it next Sunday. A message you do not want to miss. Because in that resurrection, He gave us power to become the sons of God. Are you here this morning and you feel like you do not have access to God? You can have access this morning. If you will accept the free gift of salvation Jesus Christ offers you by Him dying on the cross. Let's stand again. Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak on your behalf. But more than that, I want to thank you for the access that we have to the Father through your Son, Jesus, and the payment that he has made for our sin debt. We owed a debt that we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. And I want to thank you this morning for what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, I just want to offer up this time of invitation for anyone that needs to make a decision concerning uh, a need they might have in their life. I just want to give you this time, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond this morning if you need to.